1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Me and Paranormal You with your host, Ryan Singer. It's more fun to believe. Third, third year, year bonus. bonus. Hello and thank you for listening to another third year bonus content of Me and Paranormal You with Ryan Singer. That's me. I am Ryan Singer. At least in this manifestation, I believe I have attached myself to that definition of self in this current manifestation as we float through space and time. I am uh recording this in probably the most unique location i have to date ever recorded one of these um it is in the um i am in a minivan in a parking lot of a Hampton Inn i'm looking for um you know a you know a capsule of uh, of no distraction i'm currently on the road with a couple friends of mine Dave Stone and Andy Sanford we are on what we're calling the Three-Headed Moron Tour. It's a comedy tour, stand-up comedy. We're doing 14 cities in 15 days. We did the first one in Lafayette last night. Uh, you'll be listening to this, uh, which means last night we did Huntsville. And then if you're listening to this day of, that means I'll be in Chattanooga, Tennessee tonight with the boys. Um, doing a show at JJ's Bohemia, Threeheadedmoron.com is the website. You can check out all the dates. We're all over the southeast, Florida. Um, back in Alabama, South Carolina, we end up in Georgia. So check it out. Today I want to talk to you about sympathetic magic. I've been uh, interested in this topic because it came up that, uh, you know, sympathetic magic is kind of the, I don't know, the groundwork of uh, a lot of this stuff. So uh, I will just go from there. Um, Somebody just walked by the van wondering what was happening inside. Um, they should stop being so nosy uh, we're talking about magic in here is what we're doing <laughs> okay I want to start this by um, reading something from the golden bow which is a book written by uh, uh, James fraser okay so uh, is is that that's right uh, I'm pretty sure that's correct uh, if my notes are uh, not uh, it's you know, Sir James Fraser. That's why it sounded weird. I didn't say the sir first. So let's start with something and then we'll, um, and then we'll stop with something from Sir James, uh, here for this particular, uh, oh gosh, what happened? Um, I lost my, uh, I lost my place here. We're going to go back. Here we go. So chapter three of The Golden Bow by Sir James Fraser. um, which is a book I currently possess. And, okay, I'm just going to start with this, and then we'll also put a button at the very end, if I remember. If we analyze the principles of thought on which magic is based, they will probably be found to resolve themselves into two. First, that like produces like, or that... An effect, resembles its cause, and second, that things which have once been in contact with each other continue to act on each other at a distance after the physical contact has been severed. The former principle may be called the law of similarity, the latter the law of contact or contagion. From the first of these principles, namely the law of similarity, the magician infers that he can produce any effect he desires merely by imitating it. From the second, he infers that whatever he does to a material object will affect equally the person with whom the object was once in contact, whether it formed a part of his body or not. Charms based on the law of similarity can be called homeopathic or imitative magic. Charms based on the law of contact or contagion may be called contagious magic. To denote the first of these branches of magic, the term homeopathic is p- perhaps preferable. For the alternative term imitative or mimetic suggests, if it does not imply, a conscious agent who imitates, thereby limiting the scope of magic too narrowly. For the same principles which the magician applies in the practice of his art are implicitly believed by him to b- to regulate the operations of inanimate nature. In other words, he tacitly assumes that the laws of similarity and contact are of universal application and are not limited to human actions. In short, magic is a spurious system of natural law as well as a fallacious guide of conduct. It is a false science as well as an abortive art. Okay, um, Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll cut that off there. That's interesting, Sir Frazier. Um, you know, is this, is this true? Um, these two principles, these, uh, these two laws, the law of similarity and the law of contagion. The law of similarity is, um, like I said, the first of two sub-laws contained with the, within the law of association. Um, the law of similarity suggests that things produce like things or that an effect resembles its cause. Schematically, this may be illustrated as as such. I'm getting some of this information from themystica.com. A may produce something similar to itself called C, and thing B may produce something similar to itself called C. And this something called C may be shared by both A and B. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Um, You know, we're getting into some laws and some other kind of stuff here. The law of contagion. This can be shown by the following example. The something or commodity C, which is similar to and was shared by thing A and B, can, after its detachment from A and B, affect or control either or both. The mutual influencing effect or control these things exert upon each other is dependent upon the greatness of with which C was shared, which seems to make a little bit of sense, if you think about it. So, um, yeah, I think uh, there's some other stuff I want to get into here, um, like maybe we'll try to get into the history of sympathetic magic here. Uh, many will say it is, the, it is the foundation of most, if not modern magic, uh, that followed it, and um, uh, like I said, it's also known as imitative magic, a type of magic based on imitation or correspondence. Um, some say Sir James Fraser was the one who originated the term sympathetic magic in his book, The Golden Bow, which was uh, published in 1889. But Richard Andry, uh wrote of *Sympathy Zauber in 1878 in Ethnographische Parallelen und Vergliche. Okay, so... Um, you know, roughly 20 years before Sir Frazier um, had written about sympathetic magic, the Sympathies Abur uh, was written by Richard Andre. Now, sympathetic magic has played and still plays a major role in ancient and modern magic, and at its heart is the concept that a person can be affected magically by actions performed towards something that represent them. Now, what are these? Uh, what would you? perform these actions toward. Well, there's these charms, there's these uh, tools of, of sympathetic magic. Uh, these uh, include, but not limited to, poppets, which are uh, also known as dolls, effigies, and fetishes. Um, you can get a detailed list of some of these things at paganwiccan.com, which is a pretty cool website. So just to reiterate here, uh, sympathetic magic is based on two things. Let me try to break it down in a little simpler terms, uh, ways that I better understand it. Like produces like. I kind of can understand that. And the other one is things that have been in contact with one another will continue to react to one another um, when that is severed or even if there's distance put between them. Like, for example, I've been, interact- I've been wearing a necklace or a T-shirt uh, that I've owned for a year. I no longer have that necklace or T-shirt. Um, it is now on the other side of the country, but yet it is still connected to me. There is still a connection between me and that thing. Um, sympathetic magic can be used for good or bad. Uh, or it can be used for healing or for hurting. An example of the, of the I guess, quote-unquote bad, if you want to say that, is something called the witch's ladder. This is a cord tied with 40 knots, And these knots are tied with intense concentration of hatred for someone. The cord uh, was then hidden because the only way to break this spell, uh, you know, to stop the misery and all this other stuff, bad stuff from happening to you, was to untie the knots or have someone untie the knots. Um, But on the other side of that, which is would also sell knotted cords to sailors, and if the sailor would untie a knot, they would get a breeze. And if they untied two knots, they'd get a gust of wind. And if they untied three knots, that would give them a gale, Uh, you know, strong wind. So if, if you're out at sea and you're just stuck, not going anywhere, untie a knot. See if you get a breeze, if that's not getting you where you need to be going or not getting you started, untie another knot to pick up the pace a little bit. And then the third one would give you a really strong gale, gale force wind. Now, the danger there, of course, was that if you untied three with a gale, it could also do damage and wreck the ship. So be careful what you wish for in that kind of situation. Um, It is interesting, though, to think about uh, the law of contagion. um, Because there is a... Now, basically, contiguity is something that means the state of bordering or being in direct contact with something. And I think you know we've all heard of the lock of hair uh, that goes onto the voodoo doll, or things like this, right? You need a piece of the someone uh, that you want to do the thing about. So um, whether or not that is something that was of them that you now have, or something they were in contact with, um, th- it's interesting because according to some of this research I've done, there some people are even saying the the phrase in Western culture. Uh, the phrase, you are what you eat, stems from this. Stems from the law of contagion. It's, it's called forward contagion. One takes on the properties of the food one eats. Um, so that's pretty interesting uh, to think about. Now, the, I want to talk about the tools of sympathetic magic a little bit. Uh, and we'll get into some of that. Because you know when it comes to a poppet or a doll, uh, the use of dolls goes back several millennia. Um, And the dolls can be made of all kinds of different things. They don't even have to necessarily contain something of the person. They can just represent the person. Um, So that's pretty interesting to me. I always kind of assumed that they probably had to have a piece of their clothing or a piece of their hair or their fingernails or something. You know what I mean? So that is interesting to know that you don't need that, uh, according, according to many people here. Now, the... The history, too, and the influence of sympathetic magic uh, can't be understated. Uh, you know, there's a, a website called Skeptic, uh, S-K-E-P-D-I-C dot It's a pretty interesting website. It's a uh, skeptic. It's Dick is D.I.C. is short for dictionary. So Skeptic's Dictionary uh, basically is what it is. It uh, goes into detail about how sympathetic magic is probably the basis for such notions as karma, synchronicity eating the heart of a brave but defeated warrior foe, throwing spears at painted animals on cave walls, uh, wearing the reindeer's antlers before the hunt, um, taking Holy Communion to infuse the participant with divinity. Um, It is surely the basis for homeopathy and remote healing, according to this. Now, anthropologists do consider magical thinking to be a precursor to scientific thinking, uh, magic is science yet defined, I think. That is a very common theme that comes up on the Mindcast very often. So now the, the poppet or the doll or this thing that represents someone can also represent oneself. So if you would like to have a magical thing, a tool, you could have your own poppet that represents yourself. And therefore, you could do... I don't know, kind of positive thinking, uh, positive magic on this thing, on this poppet that represents yourself to try to make your life better, which seems like a pretty cool, pretty cool gig. And it also seems like it ties into a lot of this stuff that people are doing when it comes to inward thinking, stillness of mind, meditation, focusing on self, separating from oneself, so that you can get what you want and stop obsessing about it. This seems like a good way to try to transfer that. Uh, so then, it can, then your mind can be free to go about other things. Now, that is pretty interesting to me. Um, and these things go way, way back, especially these poppets and dolls and such. Uh, wax images, allegedly, of the Pharaoh Ramses III were used to bring about his death by some of his enemies in his high court uh, and even um, uh, women in his f- in his harem. Um, also, something called fetishes that we mentioned earlier. Uh, the West African slaves brought with them these dolls that they called fetishes. Right uh, when they were when they were forced to come to the American colonies, uh, forcibly removed from their homelands. With them, they brought these things, these dolls. They called fetishes. Uh, these these were more of a personal item, uh, not necessarily representing. Them as an individual, but it was believed that they possessed uh, th- these fetishes were possessed by spirits connected to the doll's owner. They were believed to contain significant power and they were typically worn around the neck as a talisman. Now it's interesting here because slave owners were allowed to kill any slave found to have a fetish in their possession, which means they had to have some kind of. Genuine fear uh, rooted in a belief that these things might just work. So that's pretty interesting to me when you, when you really break it down that, you know, you, okay, this, this, is, uh, this is, you know, quote unquote crazy what these people are doing. You might be thinking to yourself right now, but at the same time, it's one of those better safe than sorry situations uh, perhaps? Is is that what was happening here? Uh, I'm not sure. I'll let you be the judge of that if, in fact, that's something you do feel like judging. Now, when it comes to sympathetic... Oh, burn and effigy. And I want to talk about these uh, before I move on. I almost forgot. I've got some notes here, and I, and I almost skipped over them. It is interesting because burn and effigy is something that I think we uh, something we've all heard and uh, when the statue of Saddam Hussein was toppled in Baghdad when uh, the United States uh, invaded there uh, years ago after 9/11, it was, a, it was like a, it was a symbolic taking down of the man, of the monster, which then soon followed. So it is believed that these effi- if you burn an effigy, that therefore will cause the effect. It was also believed in Uganda that if a woman was unable to have a child, if she was barren, it could be physically represented by the garden of their home being barren. And the man would therefore have the right to divorce her and get financial compensation for not being able to bear his children. So you've got these, what some people might think, primitive ideas and consequences, uh, due to actions. Now, uh, but they are being explained away with this magical kind of thinking as opposed to science or the furthering of medical technology that we now have currently, you could argue. Um, So it is pretty interesting. And I also, it makes me think, and it's kind of, in in stand-up comedy, it's kind of a thing, and my buddy Dave Stone has a joke about stickers on the back of people's vans that represent their family. It almost feels like that is an interesting kind of poppet situation where you're putting the your family uh, representations of your family uh, as in this poppet form, uh, these stickers, on your minivan or your car or your truck or your hatchback. And it makes me wonder if people are investing or if there is any kind of magical connection to these stickers that are on the back of vans, please don't go around and start trying to do things to people's uh, stickers. That that wouldn't be cool. A little voodoo stickers. Um, That would not be cool. Now, there are hypotheses about um, prehistoric sympathetic magic. Um, Now, it's, you know, there is something really fascinating to believe that affecting or doing something to something that represents another person uh, will, will cause an effect. I mean, we're all very familiar with the voodoo doll situation. Um, many traditional so societies believe that an effect on, on one object can cause an analogous effect on another object. That's, a, I guess, a, a, a smarter way of saying what I just said. Without a, and it, it doesn't have an apparent causal link, right? So that's where the magic part comes in. Like, how did that happen? Uh, for instance, many folk tales feature a villain, whose life exists in another object, uh, and who can only be killed if that other object is destroyed. Um, I mean, a modern-day example of that is Soren's One Ring in The Lord of the Rings. Um, But So what do you do here? Can you truly affect one's life by doing something to a thing, a poppet, a doll, a, a fetish that represents them? i i am not real sure i do have a very lifelike or somewhat lifelike it it, it resembles me very much a puppet that i had made for a a project that i was working on years ago and it's still in my room and it's kind of creepy how much it looks like me it makes me wonder if i shouldn't uh (laughs) get rid of that or make sure that nothing ever happens to that thing although i have not invested um you know psychic energy or magical energy or whatever we could call it into that puppet so so maybe I don't have anything to worry about there, um, but let's get into the hypotheses about pre uh, about prehistoric sympathetic magic. And a lot of this information is on Wikipedia. There is a ton of stuff out here about sympathetic magic, and uh, maybe if you're interested, you can get into you can get into some of this research yourself. Uh, but the term is most commonly used in archaeology archaeology in relation to Paleolithic cave paintings, such as those in North Africa and Lascaux in France. The theory is one of prehistoric human behavior and is based on studies of more modern hunter-gatherer societies. Um, So the idea is that these paintings were made by Cro-Magnon shamans. Now, that's pretty cool sounding, if you ask me. um, uh, Cro-Magnon shamans. Now, I'm not going to you know, just read Wikipedia to you because that's pretty boring. But what I will do is kind of try to summarize this kind of stuff uh, or the things that I've been reading. The idea is that these these shaman, these uh, Cro-Magnon shaman, they would go into these caves, uh, sometimes very deep and very secluded areas of these caves, and they would paint uh, these scenarios that were unfolding. And... Some people believe that they are not uh, eyewitness accounts of what have of the events that have happened. But in fact, they are a form of sympathetic magic uh, detailing the events of what they hope will happen. Therefore, positive thinking. Uh, Do you want to say that these cave paintings are Cro-Magnon vision boards for shamans? Uh, maybe, maybe you could say that if you want, but they are trying to bring about these events by creating them in physical form. they represent them, therefore they 're bringing them into the world, therefore, the correlation or the causal effect is that they will happen in the real in the real world, which is important stuff when it comes to going on hunts and finding food to be able to survive so um you know you would have um very detailed uh, hunting uh, rituals uh, portrayed here um, you know so whether they were shaman or medicine men you know that's you know that's up for debate i guess um, but the, they they've been studied for many years now 1933 leo frobenius uh, discussed the ca- the discussed the cave paintings in north africa and he pointed out that many of the paintings did not seem to be mere depictions of animals and people. To, hi- to him, it seemed as if they were acting out a hunt before it began, perhaps as a consecration of the animal to be killed. So that's interesting, too, you know, showing some respect. Uh, it goes back to the eating the heart of the warrior you've, you've killed. Um, therefore, you know, taking their bravery inside of you, that, that forward contagion thing happening. You are what you eat. In 2005, Francis Thackeray published a paper in the journal Antiquity in which he recognized that there was a strong case for the principle of sympathetic magic in southern Africa and prehistory. For example, a rock engraving from Wonderwork Cave in South Africa, dated at 4,000 years before the present, showed a zebra which had probably been quote, symbolically wounded with incisions on the rump, Being associated with wounds. Uh, Okra on the ground, or on the engraved slab, could represent blood. A prehistoric rock painting at Millicane and Lesotho shows what appear to be men, or shamans, bending forward like animals with two sticks to represent the front legs of an antelope. Now, he suggests that these men, perhaps shaman or medicine men, dressed under animal skins, were associated with hunting rituals of the kind. Uh, which were recorded by H. Lichtenstein in 1812 in South Africa, in which a hunter simulated an antelope, which was symbolically killed by other hunters, and the belief that this was actually essential for a successful hunt. So if, in fact, you did not do this, you would not have a successful hunt. It's one of those things where uh, a lot of baseball players are are superstitious. Whether you want to call it superstition, or you want to call it ritual, or you want to call it belief or faith, I guess, all of these things can kind of be jumbled or bundled into one package here. So, it is pretty fascinating to think about that. And it's also fascinating for me to think about it, and I don't think I have the time to get into it here, but how, how sympathetic magic can be considered the basis for karma and synchronicity and these other things. Um, it is It is fascinating, though, when you try to get to the source of all things. And I think that's I don't know if that's the mission that I'm on, to try to find where where is the source, where do, do where do we as humans come from with these beliefs and how, how were they how were they born into these or manifested into the forms that we're currently we're currently experiencing and meditation seems to be a common theme in, in many of the things, whether it's, you know, isolation Uh, meditation and does that lead to visitations of whether it's uh, other beings or of wisdom i'm not real sure but what i will tell you is that it's very fascinating and i continue to be amazed by some of the things and and it's, it's always sparking more and more interest in me so let's keep going let's keep searching let's keep looking and you know hopefully you'll be along for the ride i hope this was uh i'll tell you we drove from um, lafayette louisiana to huntsville which is about an eight hour drive we left about three in the morning from lafayette to huntsville so uh this is the very beginning of the tour so it's already a little bit wild so um i i, I hope you'll be enjoying i know we've got a 13th uh experience coming up for this coming friday so you never know what that's going to be um and got something pretty, pretty uh, wild or different—not wild necessarily, but something different planned for you. And I hope you'll enjoy it. So uh, yeah, so check out threeheadedmoron.com. You can see uh, all the different dates we're coming to. I'd like to thank the people that have come out—that came out to the shows in Houston, uh, Yasi and uh, and Albert and his wife, um, Alberto, excuse me, and his wife, uh, the Cupertino's. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be saying your names. Um, that was great seeing you. I'm on Instagram, Rysing, R-Y-S-I-N-G. People are reaching out to me and finding me there more and more, it seems, and that's cool. I love Instagram. That's the one thing I do have on my phone, so uh, it's probably one of the easiest ways to try to get a hold of me. I love uh, Instagram. I love watching people's lives unfold in pictures, whether it's the art they create or the, the, the journeys and the travels they're experiencing. Uh, me and paranormal you.com is the website RyanSingerComedy.com is my website lots of exciting things on the horizon i'm very I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to be uh announcing those uh when i am able to do so so yeah check out RyanSingerComedy.com. that's got my my stand-up comedy tour schedule hope to be doing some more live me and paranormal you soon uh, i'll let you know about that stuff when i have more information 818-839-0593 that's the mind line Thanks for texting. Thanks for calling. I'm working my way through those and trying to respond to people. So please just have a little faith. We'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. Uh, You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. I hope you're enjoying your life. And if not, it's never too late. So get out there and do something nice for yourself today. You know, you deserve a smile. And if I don't see you on the road, I'll see you at the watering hole on the astral plane. This experience was mixed by Alex Stein. Check out his podcast at thealexsteinpodcast.com.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.